0: To get started, visit
1: plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash If you get it, Nope, it's not. Too Nope, it's not. Yes, You came at me for losing my ring. You call me a piece of shit. You called me a piece of shit.
0: Another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, our Housewives Edition for the Week. Today we're talking Salt Lake and Beverly Hills. Those were the girls who are going to be making center stage. I'm tentatively, and I do mean with a capital T, planning on using Wednesday's episode to talk about Potomac, although I could change my mind the very last second and do something completely different. So don't hold me to it. But I want to do I want to I'm not really feeling super excited to talk about our girls again. But I have a feeling based on the preview that the episodes are getting better. A.K.A. we're at least filming and Robin versus Candace versus Ashley versus Giselle are is not like taking up all the space in the air because i can't breathe i don't and i can't do it anymore so possibly wednesday tbd okay let's start with salt lake i caught the again the peacock uncensored version the lengthier version so if there are things that you did not hear that's why if you didn't watch the peacock edition um I'm loving these uncensored reunions. I really, really am. The fucks are great. And honestly, like, just to put that out there, we get to see, uh, you know, the during the Receipts Proof Timeline monologue of Heather's where she was like, you're a fucking liar and a fucking troll. But she her fucks weren't landing with me. And honestly, in that case, the, the bleeps did help. Cause she said, "Fucking like you're a fucking liar and you're fucking troll." And it just like she just the cadence wasn't good for me, And the intonation. I didn't love it. The timbre, all great, all bad. The the bleeps helped her in that case because if I had heard that in real life, I'd be like, "Okay, she didn't really eat that like she thought she did." But that's just me. Okay, let's let's move on to part two, right? The fight between Angie and Monica and the Range Rover and the carport and your kids' purse. Money going to to your part, to Louis Vuitton, whatever. Between Angie and Monica, basically ends pretty abruptly because Meredith is like, "Is there any way that we can make this room a little warmer?" Whitney's dying over here, and I'm not great either. So we're over it. We're over it. <laughs> to end on a two be continued, and that two be continued is just Meredith complaining about how cold she is. We're gonna have to rethink this. I think we're getting a little. Too liberal with the to be continued on the Housewives, I think. So Andy asks Monica if she got to the bottom of what happened in Bermuda with her family members just going MIA on her. She says she still does not know because she has not spoken to Mother Linda since filming wrapped, much like everybody else on this couch. But she knows that her mom, prior to them going to Bermuda, messaged production, getting like, hey, are you guys going to send me a ticket or nah? And they were like, nah, girl. She got pissed off about that through a fit. You can tell that Andy is completely team Monica. He's very invested in her relationship with her mother. He's clearly, like, I don't want to say, like, he gets it, but I think he finds this whole thing very fascinating, but I think he also has a lot of empathy for Monica. So he asks her, what was the purpose of Mother Linda moving to New York and leaving you in Pennsylvania with your neighbors? She says, well, she wanted to be on television. And Andy goes, well, she's on TV. So then we get to Linda and her Twitter fingers. And Monica says, listen, I knew having her on the show probably wasn't going to be great. But this whole thing has been, like, way worse than I imagined. So then Andy asks Lisa if she has perhaps changed her tune regarding Monica and her mom and their relationship, right? Lisa says, listen, I was just judging Purely based on what I saw at that Greek Easter, which was that Linda was being lovely. She was also, like, being, like, really great to everybody. But I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. It's not really my business. I don't really want to get into it. So then Monica says, listen, I can fully understand if you guys, like, don't understand our dynamic Or if you don't have that sort of relationship with your mom, it might just seem like I'm being a bitch to my mother. But she went into that Greek Easter wanting to impress all of you guys. And they're all like, yeah, she really did. And Whitney says it seemed like she wanted to be on TV. So then Andy says, well, yeah, I mean, if she left her 12 year old to pursue television, do you think that maybe she wanted to be in your place? And Monica says that during her final interview with Bravo to get on Housewives, she thought she bombed it. She goes back to Linda's house and is crying like, I, you know, I think I fucked it up. Linda goes, okay, well, let's do a prayer. And the prayer was, Lord, if it's not Monica, let it be me. <laughs> you can tell that devastated Andy. Like, Andy has seen a lot of bombshell information. I don't think he reacted as deeply to, I don't know, Candy finding out that her castmate had been telling people that she and her husband raped other cast members. He didn't even see Michelle shocked, is that by Linda's prayer of wanting to be a housewife. <laughs> so Andy says, I can't imagine this was the first time she's acted like that. And Monica says that when she first met her ex-husband, Mike, she was like down bad for this man. She invites him over to Linda's to meet him, whatever. And then after that, Linda got so weird and mad about it that she banned Mike from ever coming to the house. So then Whitney really seems to understand where Monica is coming from with her relationship with her mom. And she says, when you're in it, you don't even really know how it is. And even with my relationship with my dad, it took me watching the show to finally cut him off. So Andy asks Whitney how long she was estranged from her mom. And Whitney says that it was like 16 years of not great, wouldn't even get a text from her mom on Christmas or her birthday or anything like that. So the switch for them to finally get their relationship back on track was having a real honest conversation and she had to get her dad out of her life. So then we switched to Angie and Monica, the Greek Easter back and forth that went on Twitter, right? (laughs) So Andy goes, did somebody get thrown down the stairs? And Monica says that what she was doing was trying to get her kids down from the basement. And she was crying, so she wasn't seeing straight. She was trying to grab at the railing, but there isn't one. So she took a tumble. Monica took a tumble. We do see that in unseen footage. We don't see the fall, but we do see her land about in the middle, halfway down the staircase. And she's like, you know, people are coming up to her and blah, blah, blah. Are you okay? She They tell her, you should probably take your shoes off because she's wearing heels. So she kind of like tosses one down. The stairs. We're talking three or four, maybe five steps, okay? Just a toss. More on that later, right? So Angie says the only reason why she was getting into it on Twitter was because Monica threatened to sue her. And Monica goes, is there anything about me that you don't have a problem with, Angie? Did I sue you? I said, should I sue you? To which Angie goes, no, you said I should sue, you fuck. So (laughs) Angie then says that Monica started because Monica threw the shoe at a toddler. She tossed the shoe down the stairs. There was a toddler at the bottom of the stairs. The shoe did not strike a toddler. And also, the adults who ran up to her told her, take your shoes off, girl. So, like... She's acting like that child got clocked with like a a stiletto in the temple. Didn't happen. Okay. So Andy's like, well, I just don't know. Angie says to Andy, I don't understand why Monica would threaten to sue me for the price of a CAT scan because production paid for it. So then Monica says she had a conversation with Meredith about this whole situation and that Meredith told her uh, you could take Angie's house if you want to. So Meredith is like, no. I did not say that. I absolutely did not say that. However, I did say that there was a potential liability. (laughs) Angie says that Monica makes a living off of suing people. And Monica's like, oh, who who did I sue? I've never sued anybody in my life. Heather's like, well, you are suing me, to be fair. Monica says, but I'm only suing you because you sued me first. And Meredith has to be like, well, that, that, a countersuit. It, it is still a lawsuit. She's like, yeah, but had she not done it first, I would never have done it. So then Andy asked Lisa about the comment that she made to Monica about how, oh, you know, like nobody wants to be your mother. Lisa says that Monica was nasty and that she was just responding to these sophomore statements that Monica was calling people like, oh, you're wrinkly as hell and, you know, Monica, or Meredith got called a trampoline with eyes. I would much rather be called that. And Heather's like, yeah, that's all I want. All I want is to be called a trampoline with eyes. <laughs> so Lisa says, you've been throwing shots at me all day, and you like to poke. And Monica goes, too shit, bitch. Too shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey. Oh, honey. Then Lisa starts popping off about how Monica's been nasty to her husband, John. And she's like, what did I say about John? Angie, you called John a penis head. And then five minutes later, you said you want to fuck him. How weird is that? (laughs) Does she call him a penis head or does she call him a dickhead? And why? I mean, if she said he kind of looks like, never mind. Andy then asks Monica about all her last names. Fowler, Garcia, Delgado, I think was one of them. Darnell. What's going on with that girl? She says that Linda's got this long ass name. It's like Linda something. Darnell. Is there a few more names after that? And she got made fun of living up in Boston. People were being racist about her, you know, like Portuguese, Latina roots. And I, I know Portuguese people aren't Latina. I'm just saying, like, they were stereotyping her, okay? Like, please. <laughs> I know it's in Europe, y'all. Um, but basically how after that she just cut her name off to Linda Darnell. So, you know, Monica's lived a life, okay? She had her name she was born with. Then she got married. And then she changed it to, like, a, a last name, like a family, uh, something about a family name, right? Like, I guess she didn't want Mike's last name. But she still wanted to use a name that was part of her family. So she went with Garcia. So then she says that she was going to go by Fowler on the show because she had heard some of the people in the cast were like, oh, she's using a like more Hispanic last name. She's trying to come off like more Latina than she actually is. So Lisa goes, who said that? Who said that? Monica points at her and goes, well, you did. I did not say that. Don't look at me. Don't look at that. I did not say that. I did not. Then she says, who actually said that was Jen? And Angie says, yeah, I heard that too. To be honest with you, I respectfully don't give a fuck about Jack's mission, why he would send a shirtless picture to the embassy to try to get his visa. I don't care. You work it out, kiddo. I'm happy you're in California, Columbia, Cartagena, wherever the fuck. God bless you, kid. Whatever, he, go, you know, he comes back and, and Whitney and Heather were saying that the Mormon missionaries come back weird and they kind of have to adjust to normal life again. And Lisa's like, my, my child's, we've, you don't understand. Me and John have been raising him very special and none of our family members came back weird. So I guess we'll find out. Um, hashtag does baby, not baby gorgeous. Does Fresh Wolf come back weird 2026? Wait and see. And then, like, the other part of that, the segment was about Heather and her going through it. And, like, what Heather doesn't realize, this is another thing that I can't talk about, because Heather's about 80% there in her self-awareness regarding leaving the church, blah, blah, blah. I don't think she's fully willing to admit that she very much wants to be Mormon or she wants to be part of the club. She has been indoctrinated to think that, like, These Mormon women, even though she looks at them as fembots uh, chasing a racist, homophobic institution, is deeply problematic and excommunicated her for simply not wanting to be in an unhappy marriage. She still wants to be part of that club. There's something inside of her that just wants to belong. And so there's this great juxtaposition with her where she's like, you know, a champion for those who have left, even though technically she has not left nearly as much as Whitney has. And also is looking in the window, fogging up the glass, because she wants to be there. She wants to be there with her girlies. And they all have the same hair and the same face work. And their husbands are, you know, there. And they're just pretending like they're living in these happy house. Happy wife, happy life lifestyles with their million kids and they're just getting it all done, right? She wants that. She really does. And until she's ready to admit that, I just don't care to talk about it anymore, you know? Like, she, she, it's not clicking for her. Or maybe it is and she just won't talk about it. But it's so obvious to me <laughs> that she still wants to be part of it. And part of her reasoning for being upset with Lisa, for not including her, is that she was not included, not because she, like, you know, is anti-Mormon and is waving the flag and that could be a point of contention between she and her friend Lisa. No, it's that she was not included. She didn't get to be part of it. She's jealous that Whitney got to go to the na- the location ceremony or whatever you call it and got to go to the lunch with the Barlows and she didn't. That's what it is. Well. Well, by those rules, then Whitney should not be included, too. But she was, and she didn't like that. It has less to do with the religion and more to do with her insecurities. You know what I mean? And, like, let's get to some fun. You know what I mean? Let's talk about Mary, because there's something about her, you know? Of course, Andy's first question is, um, hey, girl, thank you for joining us at this reunion. Why weren't you at the last one, season two? And she's like, well, Listen. I heard that people were talking about me. Crazy. They were untrue. I didn't want to talk about it. So, you know, one less airplane ticket on Bravo's behalf. So Andy says, but when you came on Watch What Happens Live after that, you said you came back to the show because the ladies needed some help. So ladies, do you think that's true? And Angie and Heather are like, yeah, 100%. 100%. Angie says, yeah, I think she brought a lot of uh, comedic relief. And Mary goes, Angie, this is your first year. Why are you even answering that? (laughs) She's terrible. So Andy says, Mary, she was being nice to you. And she goes, oh, she was? (laughs) So then they ask Mary, why do you think that, like, you got along with Monica immediately, but with Angie it was like a completely different story and she says well when I saw her at that first event I thought she was Jen she looked like her she talked like her she was acting like her and I was like oh god not again (laughs) so then we find out there's some unseen footage that Angie had brought to their uh, what was it like a charcuterie outdoor charcuterie event the the let's all get back together and do snowball fight first episode Angie had brought some homemade unwrapped mind you just raw raw dog and on the plate banana bread and (laughs) that she was eating the banana bread and mary looks over at her and goes don't she want a plate and she's like oh no i'm just so she's just like eating the banana bread with her hands right and then she starts touching mary do you want me to help you with your scarf oh touching her knee and mary's just like dying inside like please stop touching me with your banana bread crumble fingers all over my Louis Vuitton scarf. Like, are you crazy? (laughs) Truly dying inside. so Andrew's like, yeah, well, I am pretty handsy. Like, I'm sorry for that, Mary. So then he goes, Andy says, well, Mary, who do you like? And her first answer is Angie. (laughs) You know, she could take my toughness. So I do like her. And you know, Monica, I love her. She's beautiful, pretty. She's a great addition. And I love Meredith. That's really about it. So Heather looks over at her and Mary goes, well, I liked you until I saw your interview. Were you talking about my house and you were making fun of me? So she tries to say, Lisa, Mary, you say way meaner things to people than whatever Heather said about your house. And Mary goes, well, what did I say about you, Lisa? And Lisa goes, you haven't said anything this season. And Mary goes, okay, well then be quiet. (laughs) So then, (laughs) Andy says, but don't you think maybe calling Heather inbred might be pretty mean? So does you might think it would be worse than what Heather said about your house? No. No. I think it was completely phony because you came to my house and you said you liked it, but then in a confessional you were talking about how weird it was. So Heather's like, Mary, I was just saying that I loved your house and I like, you know, I loved it and I was happy to be invited. So Mary goes, well, listen, I had my house before the show. I didn't need the show to get my house.
1: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made ByHeart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: Gagged her a bit. Heather tried to be like, I got the house because of my business. I'm like, yeah, but your business is thriving because of the show. I mean, if you're going to come up with a reason, a rebuttal, you got to come up with a better one than that girl. Because I came up with that in less than a second. Beauty Lab is not, th- I mean, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it was doing very well, but we didn't open up that second big ass location. Just on the strength of the ingenuity of you and that other lady. Sorry to tell you, but also congratulations. Take the money in the house, girl. So then Andy says to Mary, you know, it's really interesting because you just say everything to people's faces and it's shocking. And Mary goes, thank you, Andy. They can do it to me. They can do it to my face, too. Which, fair enough. Like, if she could say it and she could take it, she's telling you, y'all could give it to me back. And you just don't. Then, well, <laughs> fair enough. Then um, we have to switch to a conversation about Robert Jr. and and his new wife. And first of all, Mary's in complete denial still. She wants to see the receipts, proof, evidence, timeline, and the paperwork and the actual marriage license for Robert Jr. And this girl she calls either wife or girlfriend, depending on how she's feeling. She's like, I cannot call that girl... His wife, I just can't believe it. I mean, to be fair, he's only twenty one now. I, when did he get married? When he was nineteen? Fair enough. So Andy asks, "Well, how is living with Robert Jr. and his wife?" And she's like, "Well, you know, she moved in about three months before we got married, or before we started filming." And so Andy goes, "What? What made you think that he would be bad in bed?" So we cut to some unseen footage where Mary's getting her makeup done and she's telling the makeup artist that she was coming upstairs one day and heard some noises from Robert's bedroom. And she told that wife, don't make my son think he's better than he is. Stop doing all that yelling. Tell him the truth. But Mary says to Andy, I didn't think he was bad in bed. I just told the wife or the girlfriend to stop pretending And all the screaming and the dramatics, and it was like, ah! And I I told her, it's not that serious, don't give him a big big head. So then she says, Mary, when she was first coming up the stairs, she heard the yelling and was concerned, like, what's going on? So she opened the door. Fortunately, she says, I figured out what was going on before I could see anything. I was like, I ran away scared. But she still told the girl, like, you know, chill, right? She says, listen, if it's that good, then fine. But, like, if it's not, then don't, you know. It's not bad advice. It's just incredibly weird advice. And, like, quiet as it's kept, given the rumors about Robert Jr. and the screenshots that are out about him, I just feel like that kid's probably moving real slow. And he probably isn't that great. So, I don't really want to talk about Robert Jr. You know, there's nobody in the Cosby family whose sex life makes me comfortable. So maybe we should move on. <laughs> Let's get to Mary versus Whitney. So Whitney had tweeted that she can't listen to this scene of Mary and Meredith talking about... Mary's telling Meredith, I can't hang out with the group because they always talk about how they want to grow, but then I don't see it. And it's exhausting to be around. So Whitney tweeted, like, "Oh my, OMFG, I can't believe that Mary, of all people, is talking about growth, right? Something along those lines. So... Mary says, I never said anything mean about Whitney on Twitter. So for her to be saying that. And then up pops a tweet of her responding to somebody saying, I think Whitney is racist. So Andy asks her, do you think she's racist? 100%. Yeah, I believe that. Whitney's face is like, huh? So Andy asks Mary, what are you basing this off of? And she says, well, that religion. She believes that People of my skin tone have a belief and that we're cursed and that we'll go to a different kind of heaven and we'll also be the help in that heaven. So Andy asks Heather, what do you think of that? Do you think that Mormonism is racist? And he's like, why is nobody asking me? I'm a Mormon. I am. Heather goes fully. "I The Mormon doctrine is rooted in racism. No, it's not. No, it's not. Whitney also agrees with Heather. No, it is rooted in racism. Lisa turns to Mary and says, Thurl Bailey's black and Mormon. Who the fuck is Thurl Bailey? So is Andrea from Love After Lockup. That means nothing, Lisa. I would like every white person to hear this. If your only defense to, I believe, an institution, a person, whatever is, or is racist, that One person that you can think of is black. That's not the argument that you think it is. Okay? It's never going to eat. You're only going to starve with that logic. So Whitney does start to say, you know, I know that I have white privilege, and I'm a woman of white privilege. And Mary says... Go on and preach it, Whitney. But Whitney gets confused and thinks that Mary's being sarcastic and is like, oh yeah, keep going, Whitney. But Mary's actually like, no, no, no. Like, you're, you've been saying some pretty good stuff lately. Like, continue. So Whitney does say, I really don't recall a time where I specifically have been racist towards you, Mary. Can you point to a moment where that has actually happened? Mary says, no. She also says she's not mad at the Mormon church or like she doesn't have any ill will towards them. And I think people got on the cast got confused about that. But like you can find out that somebody something is racist and not necessarily harbor ill will towards a situation. Like, do you know how angry? <laughs> black people would be if we had to sit there and actively be mad about everything that was racist like I would never get anything done you have to look at a situation and be like y'all hate me but I don't have to hate you back that's not how that has to work I can see the institution as racist and just not want anything to do with it but y'all like I can do whatever the fuck you want to do whatever you know <laughs> what Mary does tell Whitney is that it's just a feeling Like, she hasn't done anything specific, but, like, there's just a vibe. She can't explain it. And Whitney's like, okay, that's totally fair. So then Andy asks Mary what she thought about the finale and how everybody treated Monica. And she's like, honestly, I think it was a little much. Like, nobody was reflecting on their character. I don't have any idea who that control account is anyway. So Lisa goes, would you care if that account called you a dumb bitch? I'm just asking, because they did. Mary's like, not really. (laughs) I've been called everything on the internet. So Lisa turns to Heather and goes, get the audio, get the audio. Heather pulls out her phone and it's just an audio clip. I'm sure we've all, you know, who've got wrapped up in reality Von T's a mania heard this clip where Monica is suggesting, Oh, maybe we should DM Mary like, Oh, and in there she says like, Oh, what a dumb bitch. I think that conversation could go both ways. Monica tells him play both parts. If you're if you're going to play it, the shit that you've clearly gotten from my ex best friend, play the whole thing. I wasn't calling her a dumb bitch. I think she said she was repeating what Jen had said. And also, like the way in which she was even if that even if she was referring to Mary, if I were Mary, if this were me, I wouldn't be like, oh, you call me a dumb bitch. It was just like, I don't know, maybe it's because I call people bitch and I don't even think about it. That I just would be like, I don't know. The points that Heather have been trying to make, and Lisa, I guess, get the audio, have been trying to make in this reunion haven't really done much for me, to be honest with you. I'm not a full Monica stan. I'm not going to be upset if she is not invited back on the show. I think that would be completely fair. But I'm just not fully Team Heather on this either. I just need to know. It's been weeks now. And I've not seen proof of horrific things that Monica has said about anybody else in the cast. Other than Jen, who deserved it. And I feel like if there were receipts to that, we would be knowing about like, and, and talking about it, this would have been, oh my God, this is what definitive proof of what Monica said about Heather, Lisa, Meredith, Mary, whoever the fuck, Jenny Wynn, I, you know, who, but that hasn't happened yet, unless I'm missing this treasure trove of information in which Monica went out of her way to definitively say things that were shitty about these other women. Like, what specifically has she said? We haven't heard it. This little, get the audio clip of maybe her referring to Mary passively as a dumb bitch is not like, and also Mary doesn't care. So, so Mary, basically we end the episode with her saying that she feels like none of the women have actually tried to hear Monica out and they need to, they don't let her speak. And Andy's like, well, they're going to, we're all anxious to hear what Monica has to say. And so we'll find out in part three, where we're going to get to the black eye the Instagram, whatever—I don't know. Something in my bones are telling me that we might come out of part three having some interesting Felix, and I'm curious to see what that is. I'm looking forward to it. I hope that's what happens. All right, guys, let's move on to uh, Beverly Hills. Uh, uh... Hey, seriously, son, let me explain Excuse something me, to you first. Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am. No, ma'am. Let me explain. No, something ma'am. To you first. Excuse me, ma'am.
1: You got to be careful with the no-mans. This particular no-man could, where I'm from, get you smashed. I don't yell. So if you want to make me yell, I'm I will match yelling. your tone. I'm not yelling. You were. Now you're lying. You were yelling. Oh, is this my third lie? That yes, I'm your third lie. What was the first two? The first one was that her doctor said she could drink and have gabapentin at the same time. Well, she did. Well, you can't. Are you my doctor? It doesn't matter. I am a board certified certified nurse anesthetist. I am a board certified nurse anesthetist. That's it.
0: Beverly Hills, darling. Homeless? Toothless? Nobody knows. (laughs) We start off the episode with Kyle going over to Sutton's place to, like, do her makeup, I guess. She was like, girl, I'm going to put the eye under eye patches on. I got my compacts out. I don't know what she was doing, but it was giving. Maybe Sutton is the fourth Richard sister. Maybe she's right. She felt very comfortable in her kitchen. So Sutton does ask Kyle, where was Moe at Lorraine's celebration of life? Oh, he was in Mexico City. He was in Aspen. Son goes, oh, just doing his stuff. So she says in a confessional, I'm not buying it. You need to show up for your wife. But Kyle says that he is going to be flying in for Dorit's. He he made time for his girl and her event. And that was Dorit and Homeless Not Toothless. Okay. (laughs) You know where his priorities were lying. So Sutton goes, they're toothless. And Kyle says, but they have homes. And then Kyle says, what I've been screaming, I want them to have a home and teeth. This is very upsetting that I have to choose one of the two. (laughs) And I agree. And also, I feel like if gun to my head, I'm, this one's wrong. This is a wrong choice. I would rather be toothless in a home than a full grill. With no place to lay my head. How is that the best option? Like, it's a real Sophie's choice. But, like, what? <laughs> How did they not thought to rebrand? I feel like we made it very clear. Y'all had a free fucking, what do you call it? Um, What do you call it with, like, uh, people all come together to, uh, share their thoughts on a particular thing, like a test audience in America of the viewers of the real housewives of Beverly Hills telling y'all this name is fucked up <laughs> and it's hard to even remember. And then when you do remember, it's like, damn, that seems kind of harsh. <laughs> if you think about it, why do we not workshop another name? Q1 2025. We're going to need a full rebrand. Okay. And and then Dari wants to act like we're the problem for not liking this name and giggling at it. It's weird, girl. Like you can only expect so much of people. Okay? We're only human. So then anyway, let me, let me calm down. <laughs> Sun says that she heard from Garcelle that Anne-Marie still keeps coming up or coming for her esophagus, really. Sutton's like, I don't really understand why she keeps doing this. We had fun in Ojai together. I like the girl. She licked my armpit, for God's sakes. Yuck. So then Sutton shows her this house that they're looking at because they're going to go on a cash trip to Barcelona, Spain, right? And she's like, I don't even want that nurse doctor to come anymore. <laughs> and I get it. Then we go to Crystal's house, right? The house that the brave little toaster built. She's FaceTiming Garcelle. Talking about how annoyed she is because at at the uh, Marines event, Anne Marie was going on and on about Sutton's esophagus. Like crazy, right? Crystal says, Listen, I actually met Anne Marie about four months ago socially. This was around Christmas. Anne Marie told her that she was an anesthesiologist, not a nurse anesthetist like she actually is Crystal says in a confessional she met Anne Marie at this holiday party and she just like could not help but wonder if you're calling yourself an anesthesiologist when you're not what else could you possibly be lying about I wish she would lie about how attracted her husband is to her because that keeps me up at night and has been for weeks now then Crystal says that you know the diagnosis that Sutton has been telling them is very much a thing and actually, if you just type what she said into Google, the predictive text will say genetic, which is what Sutton said she said. She said her family has it; her brother has the same condition, which is enough of an answer for her. She said if there is one possible way that this could be true, then put it to rest. Right. And then Crystal says in a confessional that Anne-Marie spent hours researching Sutton's esophageal issue She figured out in Google in about five minutes, so maybe she's a doctor. (laughs) Moving on. To PK and Dorit, they're at the Beverly Hilton doing a walkthrough for the gala. You know, they've set up their flowers and the table settings, and they're doing their approval, right? We're led to believe that this is PK and Dorit's getting their groove back. They're back on track with their relationship because they had that therapy session from last week about three days prior, and what we did not see is that PK started crying and was like, it's just really hard for me to hear that somebody I love is going through stuff. Now, mind you, this is after he was like, put your panties on, girl, and stop spending my money. Stop complaining. And you enjoy that standard sweet and, uh, you know, the incorrect song and deal with it. You take your little fruit plate get that red dress on, and you smile. And now he's crying about, "Uh, it's so hard for me to hear how difficult (laughs) you're going. So you're responsive as to be a jerk? Interesting, okay. But Doree claims that in the past 72 hours, their world and their relationship has completely changed. He's being more attentive. They feel so much more connected. Their connection that we see is PK looking at these table settings and be like, it looks tacky. It looks very daytime. And, listen, he wasn't wrong, but, like, I'm just not really sure if we should be hinging the um, health of your entire marriage on that. But that's that's on you guys, you know? Um, And to be honest with you, I could not care less about Crystal and her journey of guilt with her brother and the fiancé that never became a wife and He's moving to China, I guess. I, God bless you. See you later, Jeffrey. I, I hope you find some some love. And I hope that Crystal stops feeling guilty about it. And, you know, thanks for the bracelet. So next we see everybody getting ready for the gala. And they're all individually talking to their glam teams about what the name is. Rob Minkoff's got it down. He's like, homeless, not toothless. I practice it. I got it. And then Garcelle... <laughs> This was just like a very black woman moment because she's got the girl on the hair. Another woman's doing makeup and Garcelle just goes, homeless, not toothless. And they all just sit in silence for like three seconds. And then they just burst out laughing because what else are you going to do? <laughs> what where else are we going to go with this? And then we see Sutton Tull and her makeup artist, You know, I don't get it. But maybe we will see some homeless people with some really nasty teeth. (laughs) Then we see Kyle and Mauricio drive to the event together. He's talking, you know, how did the event for Lorene go? And she says in a confessional, this is the shit that irks me about Kyle. She says, I think she said last week, years ago, you know, if this had been a couple years ago, I would have really relied on Mauricio to be here as, you know, a pillar of strength for me in this moment, right? And then in this episode, they're talking about how it goes, and it's, like, kind of awkward. And she says in a confessional that, yeah, it would have meant a lot to her if he had surprised her at Lorene's event because he was also really close to her and the family, right? But then on Instagram this week, she did this whole story about how we don't get this... And what actually happened is that Mauricio had told her multiple times, that, like, I'll cancel my plans to come. And she told him no. So to add on to that, Kyle has been frequently acting like she has no idea why eyes are on her and her relationship. What why people are whispering about her and all this stuff. But then she creates these situations and these narratives that I are, seem very much true of him not being an emotional support to you, but then you want to, like, rewrite history and act like you don't know why we think that. It's because you say shit like that (laughs) that makes sense, but then don't walk it back, because that doesn't make sense. And then you want to act like you don't get it, which makes even less sense. So let's, let's not do that, okay? Like, you can't be putting out stories about you feel so bad that Morgan's in the spotlight now because you put her in there and she doesn't like it, but then somehow... They're at your fifty-fifth birthday party retreat with all your girlfriends, with their long camera lenses a paparazzi. Just they just so happen to see you at a resort, like a retreat that's for people on a healing journey. They just happen to see you there. Okay, okay, but we're the problem. So then Erica gets to the the homeless, not toothless event. Right, this man approaches her like handsome dude, nice suit, tan tall dark handsome right he's approaching her very confidently you're so beautiful you look great tonight great thank you I'm a doctor I'm doctor whatever the hell doctor handsome man and she's like thank you wait do I know you and he's like yeah I'm actually your dentist she's like oh my god I was just thinking about that because I have to go get my trays and um you know so nice to see you and he's like you look beautiful gorgeous and she's like cool cheers And then you could just hear her as she runs off saying, oh, my God, I just got my dentist. And I think a lot of people thought or seemed to be under the impression that maybe Erica wasn't picking up on the fact that he was hitting on her. But I think she did, right? Surely she had to have picked up. Like, he said, you're so beautiful, like, four times in a row. After that, we get to our new core four, as I'm going to call it. They're at a little cocktail table table. (laughs) What? Uh, Sutton, Crystal, Erica and Garcelle, the girls that we should have always had together, but better late than never. okay? that's what they say. Erica asks Sutton, how's your esophagus, Sutton? And she's like, oh, I've got a magical esophagus, just like my MP. So apparently uh, Miss Sutton has been telling people she has a a magical pussy because of the sweetness and it's smooth and silky. Just like my esophagus. And also very tight. So Sutton's onward. She's like, do not fuck with me. Do not talk about my esophagus. She's ready for Anne-Marie. She came prepared because I don't know if you noticed her dress, but it looked like the inside scope of an esophagus. So She, she went for a visual element as well. So in that moment, Anne-Marie, Anna-Marie. And here's my other thing. Like... I know we're in like a place of woke and we're not supposed to be making fun of people's names, but I do feel like maybe part of the reason why Anna Marie's so whack, so corny, is the fact that her name should be Anne Marie. There's nothing about the spelling of her name that would lead you to believe that the pronunciation would be Anna Marie, unless I'm missing something, okay? Don't. Don't shoot the messenger. But I do feel like that is a start of something. I do. Because you start off being loud and wrong in your life. And I feel like that's got to imprint on you somewhere. So Sutton looks at Anne-Marie Marie, and says, we need to talk. And Anne-Marie's like, okay. And she's like, no, I mean right now. So Sutton starts off with, you picked the wrong person. And when Anne-Marie says, well, no, I just want to explain. Sutton goes, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, excuse me, ma'am. So Anna Marie tells her Oh you're yelling, stop yelling. Oh I don't yell whatever. So Anne Anna Marie tells her it's a lie. It's a lie that you say that you don't yell. Corn bag. So Sutton's like so what? Is this like the third lie that I'm telling you? So Erica asks, Well what were the first two lies? The first lie was that Sutton's doctor told her she could drink and have gabapentin at the same time. Sutton goes, are you my doctor? And Anna Marie says, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It doesn't matter. I'm a board-certified nurse anesthetist. So Sutton goes, okay, but I have a board-certified GI that I've seen that says that it's okay. So Chris was like, well, you just said, Anna Marie, that she lied. And Anna Marie's like, well... I said what she said didn't make sense medically. Girl, girl. Anna Maria tries, whatever the fuck, <laughs> Anna Marie tries to say that Sutton lied again, and Garcelle goes, no, 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 no. You said I've barely met Sutton, and she's already lied twice. Even though Anne Marie's like, no, I never said she lied. So then Anne Marie tries to put it on Crystal and said, no. You're the one who said that Sutton had an eating disorder. Bitch, get the hell out of here. Sun says it was completely inappropriate to be talking about that at Kyle's dead friend's celebration of life. And Crystal was like, you were talking about that for two hours at one point, Anna Marie, the point where me and Garcelle left because you were being so annoying. So the one lie that Crystal actually did tell is that it was not two hours. Anna Marie was talking about Sutton's esophagus from 6.03 to 10.25. Four hours and 23 minutes. They have a span of time of her talking about this at least four separate occasions. And it seemed like she was talking to Sutton and, excuse me, she was talking to Garcelle and Crystal about this for like two straight hours. Two. (laughs) In every scene, Crystal's there. Listening to her yammering about Sutton's. Have you guys ever um, heard of an esophagus? Have you guys ever thought about one? Do you know what that is? Uh, yeah, do you think that Sutton's telling your truth? Like, not as if any of these people are medical professionals. No, they're not sitting around thinking about people's esophagus. This is Beverly Hills, bitch. What are you talking about? Ugh. So then Anna Marie says, oh, to Crystal didn't you want to go to med school? Krista goes, didn't you tell me you were an anesthesiologist when I met you? Why don't more infant formula companies use
1: organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made ByHeart a better formula for formula. Learn more at ByHeart.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from MoonPig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.
0: So then she calls her a bitch, which she should. She should. Anna Marie and her corny self tell us in the confessional that Crystal had told her the other day. She wanted to go to medical school. Rob told her, I'm really ready to have kids, a family, a whole thing. So she decided not to go. And Anna Marie thinks that Crystal resents her because she's in the medical profession. And she's taking it out on her because she didn't get to do it. I mean, I could not roll my eyes harder. Anna Marie, I really need... I try not to say this to people, and granted, I probably say it every episode. I don't really know what I say after I turn this microphone off. I black out about 45 seconds into turning it on, and God knows what comes out of my mouth. Y'all remind me all the time, like, Jesus, did I say that? Okay. (laughs) But in my real life, how I conduct myself, I wouldn't tell somebody to shut up. It's just not something that is within me. I wouldn't be like, you need to shut up. But I was watching the episode last night. And I said out loud, I'm sitting there by myself, said out loud, Anna Marie, shut up. And I tell you, not even kidding, it felt like a weight lifted off my shoulder. (laughs) She'll never hear me. She didn't hear me then. She likely won't hear me now. But it felt so good. So if you've been feeling what I've been feeling, maybe just take some time to yourself to say out loud, Anna Marie, shut up. And I hope that it feels as good to you as it did to me. So the best we get out of this flop, Anna Marie, is her telling Sutton, I'm sorry for being concerned that anybody in my fake profession, Crystal, would be. Anybody would be. And, you know, whether or not you accept that is on you. (laughs) That is not a fucking apology. Sutton is like, forget it. You know, I'm going to take this non-apology apology apology because I don't want to talk about this anymore. And you know what? Hopefully, we're just going to see the homeless people in with their hopefully new teeth. Okay? So we get a little break where everybody goes to see through, like, the auction items for the evening. And Mauricio was very me in this moment because Kyle shows him a guitar signed by Taylor Swift. And this is just my stance on Taylor Swift in general and why you don't hear about her on this podcast. He goes, oh, that's cool. We don't need it. And honestly, that's a better attitude that I've had about Taylor in years. So, (laughs) So then we get to the event. Paula Abdul, the legend, is the MC, and she introduces our performer, Taylor Dane. Everybody, Erica especially, is getting their whole lives. (laughs) Erica's so funny. (laughs) Get her in a room with a performer who was at the top of their career from. 84 to 1993 and she's like i'm living okay and no shade to taylor dane because tell it to my heart too bitch like i'm i'm i was two stepping too oh guess who had never heard of her anna marie anna marie and i don't know how old anna marie is but i know crystal and i are around the same age and she even knew uh you know love will lead you back and i don't even think it's a cultural thing because i actually talked to princess about this and we agreed that level will you back was on the R&B radio stations and black people might not know the name Taylor Dane, but they definitely have heard her songs and they probably think she's black. So I think that's enough. You heard the song and if you hadn't recognized her then, then that's flop behavior. I, I'm tired of this woman. <laughs> I'm tired of this woman in a way that I don't like to dislike Housewives this much. Like I'm constantly giggling when most people are screaming and like pulling their hair out. I'm like usually chill, but I'm just finding her so irksome. And actually um <laughs> before I forget, before I forget, let's uh let's get into what uh <laughs> with the um what do we want to call this institution? It is the If you want to scroll to the Instagram of the ASA underscore HQ, the American Society of Anesthesiologists, they went on to their Instagram to say they showed a picture that had an infographic of anesthesiologists and what they have to do to get their uh, distinction and what goes into getting and a nurse nurse anesthetist degree. Anesthesiologists must complete medical school. The NAs do not complete medical school. Anesthesiologists have 12 to 14 years of higher education, whereas a nurse anesthetist was only have about 5 to 7 years. Anesthesiologists have to complete 12,000 to 16,000 hours of clinical training focused on anesthesia care, pain control, and responding to complications and emergencies in in surgery, whereas an N.A., only $2,500 hours of clinical training focused on anesthesia administration. And the final one is that the anesthesiologists have to spend a year or more in a fellowship program to learn learn an anesthesiology subspecialty such as cardiac, pediatric, neurologic, obstetric, pain management, or critical care. The N.A. do not. So the caption says, (laughs) because this couldn't be a bit more embarrassing, the real housewives know a fake. Anesthesiologists are medical doctors with more than 12 years of higher education and up to 16,000 hours of clinical training. Title misappropriation has no place in healthcare. Now, if you guys did not know, um, she and Dr. Nicole actual anesthesiologist, and I hope any, like, nurses and nurse anesthetists, specifically, specifically, girl, who also needs to go to formal training, me, Um, don't think that I'm trying to be shady. We all know people with, you know, that nurses typically are doing way more work than doctors do. They kind of have to know it all. This seems like a specialty situation in Anna Marie's case, and I just, well, Here's the other thing. The other part to that is that she's been coming for Dr. Nicole, who is an actual anesthesiologist, and saying that Dr. Nicole is trying to make herself relevant off of Anna Maria and correcting her in correct claims about Sutton's condition. Anna Maria had the nerve to say that Dr. Nicole was looking for her to be relevant, using her to be relevant, just like she said to Crystal in the upcoming episode preview. Um, and Dr. Nicole said down to watch what happens laugh, life, bitch, I don't need you. <laughs> like, is laughable that you would even say that, much less think it. Um, I, you know, I think the person who, if we're going to go back to Crystal versus Anna Marie, who needs a boost in their ego would not be, um, Mrs. Lion King. Probably you, Lady Eight and a Half. You keep trying to justify to everybody in the world why your husband thinking that you're not amazing, just like pretty good, not great, but pretty good is cool. Is cool with you and how you don't care that you guys can walk into a restaurant and he'll tell you all of the women in the room that he's fucked and you think that is a sign of... You guys having a good relationship because he's being honest with you instead of I don't know, maybe terrorizing you with his, with his dick. Frankly, like what would you? What would you need to know that? Why would you need? And why would you say it in that way? Like oh yeah, I used to fuck her. Like what? That's fucking weird. The more I think about it, and everything she says, I'm like, what's? Mm. So after the homeless not toothless event, we did not see anybody who's actually benefiting from this charity. But anyway, um, after the event, Sutton is just like, girl, I want to stop with all this, Anna Marie, because I quite like you. Just stop talking behind my back. And Anna Marie goes, well, you need to stop with that narrative. Huh? Go home. (laughs) Go home, Roger. So then after the event, the next day, they're kind of getting ready to go to Spain. Sutton's calling Kyle to say, you need to tell Anna Marie, tell your friend before we go on this trip. She needs to stop talking about me at me. OK, not don't talk to at don't talk at any of us. Okay? So Kyle says in a confessional, I can't believe at this age I'm to, having to mediate a fight about an esophagus. That's very upsetting to me. But like, is it because I feel like you were perfectly fine with this until you realize that Anna, Anna Marie was flopping. Couldn't hold her own in a conversation that you had to get involved. But you were perfectly fine letting Sutton Sweat and her esophagus because when you thought that she was right. But now that you see that she's a clown, you're like, well, why do I have to be involved? Well, because that's your friend. So, sorry. And, like, let's be real. Kyle's very accustomed to defending flop behavior. Her best friend is Teddy. Like... (laughs) Not act like you're new to this girl. You're true to it at this point. True. <laughs> so then. After that, it's kind of like we see a bunch of people calling each other. Erica calls Crystal. Crystal's like, Girl, I have had it with this chick. Anna Marie's saying, I will apologize to Sutton, but about Crystal, I don't want to talk to her on this trip. I don't care until she gets an apology from Crystal for mocking her profession. She's just not going to speak to her. Okay, well then don't talk to her. Okay, don't talk to her. So after that, she goes on to say, like, my profession is extremely difficult and challenging. Why would I lie about that? Like, okay, let it go. Don't, you know, you know, like in a boxing match where they get you in the corner and that your coach just like squeezes you with that bottle of water. That little tube, little straw on it. Just just sit down. Just sit this one out, okay? Call it. The episode ends with Anna Marie calling Sutton. Does he like, oh, you know, what's going on? I just want to talk to you. And Sutton's like, okay. So Anna Marie says, well, I just wanted to tell you I'm sorry for my part in everything that happened. And Sutton goes, sorry for your part? And in the confessional, your part? How about your part is the only part? No, ma'am. Then Anne-Marie says, well, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, you know, I'm sorry for bringing up something that you clearly didn't want to talk about. And That's not the point. Not the point, Yolanda. I will talk about my esophagus all day. You just don't need to talk about it behind my back. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. It seems like... Anna Marie's going to be cutting up with Crystal. But you know what? It seems like Crystal's feeling her pussy has been stepping up quite a bit. So I don't think you want the smoke. And I'm very much looking forward to it because you know what? I've been a Crystal fan since day one. Okay. And it's been hard. It's been hard because I know she's divisive. I've been loving her down. So now to see her step into her power, power and step up her pussy and really give it to somebody who deserves it. I can't wait to see it. I can't. So thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.